Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today, we are still in Revelation 20. This is the key chapter to getting an overall perspective on so much of biblical prophecy, particularly the book of Revelation. And what we're going to be looking at specifically today is the binding of Satan described in Revelation 20. But just want to give a a last call, or at least a second to last call for two free handouts we're offering to our listeners on Revelation 20 and understanding the millennium. And multiple times in Revelation 20, it talks about this thousand-year period, and the thousand-year period is the millennium, and there's various views of the millennium amongst Christians that determines how you approach not only the book of Revelation, but all biblical prophecy. any case, to get that handout, just send an email to askthehost at gmail.com, and simply say, give me, send me the uh, Revelation 20 handouts. All right, let's look at Revelation 20, starting in the first verse. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it, and sealed it over him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be loosed for a little while. The next few verses is what we covered last time. It talks about two resurrections, the first resurrection at the beginning of this thousand-year period, and then the second resurrection at the end of the thousand-year period. And then we start again in verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be loosed from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, that is, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city, But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever. Now, last week when we talked about the two resurrections, we looked how St. Augustine mentioned, if you get the first resurrection wrong, you will get into all types of fanciful interpretations and miss what this passage is talking about. And we said the best way to approach this is to take scriptures that talk about the same thing, ideally if you could even find uh, scriptures that talk about the same thing, that were written by the same author, in this case, St. John. Then you use the scriptures that happen to be clearer and easier to understand to interpret the more difficult to understand. The reason I have to send you handouts on Revelation 20, this is a tough passage. So the, the two passages that we used, the first of these came from John chapter 5. 
And Jesus said in John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He has passed from death to life. And those who hear the voice of the Son of God will live. Now, this is talking about being born again by faith and baptism. In other words, coming to embrace the faith in Christ, you come alive. You're dead in original sins, and you come alive. Now, when St. John in Revelation 20 talks about the first resurrection, it, it's, it's, it is a resurrection, but it's not like coming out of your grave and ascending to heaven, that type of resurrection. It's something that was unexpected. The, the future hope was brought into the pr- present so that we can be alive in God. So in any case, the first resurrection is simply being born again. And the second resurrection is what you normally think of, of the resurrection of the body that we confess in the creed. And the thousand years we talked about, the book of Revelation is filled with symbolism. And those who come to Revelation 20 and try to say, oh, we have to interpret the whole book, you know, literally, they don't do that. And basically, thousand years is just a way of saying a very long time. Ten is one of the biblical numbers for completion. And if you cube ten, ten times ten times ten is a thousand. That's like saying a really, really long time in a very succinct way. Now, I mentioned there's those two scriptures from John 5, John 5, 24 and 25, the first resurrection, John 5, 28 and 29, the second resurrection. That's the resurrection, resurrection of the body. Okay, there's a third scripture I mentioned, and that scripture is Matthew 12, 29. And it's a very important scripture when you come to Revelation 20 because it talks about the binding of Satan. And although it's not the same author here, I believe we're talking about the exact same thing in Matthew 12 that St. John is talking about in Revelation 20. And we are going to be using the scripture that's clearest to understand the scripture that's more difficult. Now, I want to give you a very common argument against the idea that we're living in this kingdom age, millennium age, this thousand-year period. And we've gone through this in past episodes. You might want to catch up if you can, if you weren't with us. But here's the objection. Okay, in the millennium age, I just read that Satan is seized and he's bound in it with a great chain. He's thrown in a pit. The pit is shut and it's sealed and he's all locked up. And for the entire thousand-year period. Now, people will say, oh, well, we know for a certainty that we're not living in any type of millennium. It's not the present age because Satan is obviously very active doing his work. We're not living in an age of perfection free from the devil. Well, that's true in part because Satan is still active doing his work. We're not living in an age of utopia, the fulfillment of all things. But does Revelation 20 really say that Satan will be prevented from doing any evil? Or does it say he will be bound from doing a very specific thing? And this is where Revelation 20 and verse 3 comes in, and it's very important. 
verse 3 says, and threw him into the pit, shut it, and sealed it over him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were ended. Satan was bound. The binding of Satan, it says it's for a very specific purpose. What's called a purpose clause begins with that word that in English, that he should deceive the nations no more till the end of the thousand-year period. That is the purpose of the binding of Satan. It doesn't say there's not going to be any more evil in the world. It doesn't say there couldn't be any more demonic activity in the world. It doesn't say that Satan can't do things in the world, but he can't do one specific thing that he was doing before this period. It says in Isaiah, and, and by the way, we're so familiar with these passages from our Advent and Christmas season, as wonderful as they are, sometimes it makes us a little numb. I mean, we never really thought through this. Isaiah 25 and verse 7, and he will destroy on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. Now, this was Isaiah. It's written in the Old Testament. The Jews had light. They were given divine revelation by God. But the Gentile nations, if you're a Gentile like me, you know, our ancestors back in those days were worshiping rocks and trees and man-made things. They, They were basically oblivious to the true God. There was a veil spread over the nations. And here's the one that's very well known, Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness, that's all the Gentile world, have seen a great light. This is Christ. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. And we go to the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew repeats the same thing at the opening of the New Testament. Chapter 4, it says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. If you ask yourself, why? Why? In the past 2,000 years, when the entire Gentile world was walking in darkness, when the entire Gentile world, because of willingly submitting themselves to the power of sin and choosing sin and separating themselves from God, plunged themselves into darkness and deception, how in the world did this all reverse over the last 2,000 years? You turn to the book of Acts and everything changes. The Gentiles started coming by the multitudes into the church. Well, that's because of Revelation chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, that Satan was bound for the purpose that he should deceive the nations no more. And now we come to Matthew 12, which I told you was a very important verse. Jesus said this, how can one enter a strong man's house? Who's the strong man? Satan. What's his house? This entire world. Again, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Folks, that's the last 2,000 years of world history. Jesus entered a strong man's house. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and 
Through his work on the cross, his resurrection and ascension, the strong man is bound. And this verb here in Matthew 12, 29 binds, it's deo, D-E, long O in Greek. It's the exact same word that's mentioned being bound in Revelation chapter 20. Satan is bound with a great chain. This is the figurative thing. And he's not bound from all activity. He's bound from that specific activity of keeping people in darkness. Now, there's another part of Revelation 20 that's highly relevant that we're going to come to next time. And I think it's perhaps the single most important verse in the entire book of Revelation that has contemporary relevance. And the folks that many of the Catholic scholars that are the extreme preterists say, oh, what's talking about here is past history, the distant past. The pre-mill futurist says, oh, it's way in the future. Actually, it could be happening now. And I'm going to give you just a foretaste of it, and we're going to talk about it next episode. But the foretaste, the contemporary relevance, Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be loosed from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. So you see, there's an antonym from that verb bound, and it's the verb to be loosed, binding and loosing, binding and loosing. If he's bound, he can't deceive. But at the end of this long period, after the binding, at the end of that period, he's going to be loosed and he'll able be able to deceive the nations worldwide. Hang on to your seatbelts. We're going to get to that next time in Luke 21 Radio. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 124. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.